there, my name is Tina Conrad, aka DJ Breast Cancer, and I'm starting a podcast on my journey through breast cancer. My goal is simple, to help explain my journey in hopes that it helps one person. If you are facing breast cancer today, all I can say is I'm sending you my love, positivity, and holding your hand. It is so scary and life-altering. And for those diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, it is forever. If you know someone going through breast cancer, I may have a few tips, but these are from my perspective. Know that every person is a unique individual and all journeys are different. Each journey is confusing at times, nonlinear, painful, but yet there's a sisterhood, a beauty, and a grace. In my own unique journey, I have found some truths, some wisdom, and tips that I will share with you. I am dedicating this entire podcast to my friend Sandy Clausen, my dear friend and pink sister. She passed away in July of 2018 after a recurrence of breast cancer, and she never gave up fighting. This entire podcast series is dedicated to her memory. Mercy, help me now. Episode 4, Foobalicious. Today's episode, I'm channeling my inner Fergie, which I've affectionately named Foobalicious, and goes into my plastic surgery roller coaster ride. Fills and drains and implants, oh my. I remember back to my initial conversations of breaking the news that I had cancer to my cousins and somewhat bragging that I would have the perkiest boobs of an 80-year-old in the nursing home. Well, this was a pretty naive view of it all. Yes, I did opt to have both breasts removed, even though there was only sign of cancer in my right breast. And yes, I did opt for reconstruction surgery, but it is a very personal decision. I know many survivors with no implants and the most amazing artwork in form of tattoos. I know women that seek out world-renowned tattoo artists to put nipples back in such a 3D way that without looking at them, you'd have no idea that they're not the real thing. Each decision of what you look like post-cancer is a personal journey, but I will say it's difficult and life-changing. Years later, with a bra on, nobody would have a clue that I even went through cancer. Radiation, surgery, scar upon scar. But take the bra off, and it's a different story. I promise to always keep it real, but what I miss most is what's gone. It's not a sexy underwire bra. It's not having a scar-free breast. It's just at the age of 37, I was in my prime, and then suddenly and irreversibly, I was not. It all started with my initial surgery to remove my cancer, along with 15 of my lymph nodes. It was a long surgery, 10 plus hours, with my surgeon and plastic surgeon tag-teaming the event. I woke up to a throbbing toe and yet couldn't even formulate a sentence. I remember laying there, trapped in my own thoughts and feelings, and thinking, WTF does my toe hurt? I had breast reconstruction surgery. 
When I could finally formulate the words to the nurse in the recovery area, I told her my toe hurt. And I don't mean a little. I mean throbbing and dull. And she looked at my chart, and then she looked at me, and then she looked at my chart again, exclaiming, Well, of all the crazy things, actually my toe hurt for days upon days. It's amazing what can happen in a 10-plus hour surgery when blood can't flow properly. After my surgery, my nurses took me back to my room, and I saw my husband and my in-laws, and I almost felt okay. But then I tried to eat some soup, and nausea hit me like a freight train. The attending nurse asked me what I wanted for pain, and I just didn't even know how to respond. Up to that point in time, my idea of pain control was an Advil. But I finally, but finally they said I was really pale, and they had me take something stronger. I remember seeing the most beautiful comfort dog, a golden retriever named Draco, in the hallway. Hurriedly, I told John to go see if he could come into my room. John and his mom tried really hard to get the dog into my room for a visit, but they had rules on patients after surgery. Together, we found a happy compromise in which they petted the dog outside my room so I could look at him. He was so cute and even had his own baseball card with stats on it. My mom flew in from Michigan after the surgery, and John and his dad picked her up from the airport. It was such a blessing to have her stay with me for a week. She made all my food, she gave me baths, she washed my hair, as I had to be really careful not to get my dressings wet. We took walks in my neighborhood, and it's good for the body to have circulation after surgery. We binge-washed Say Yes to the Dress in four weddings. In a lot of ways, it was like nothing had changed, even though everything had. I actually had a dream team of support. My mom, who was a two-time breast cancer survivor, and my mother-in-law, who was a nurse for her entire career. She, had such, she was such an amazing help with so many of the bandage and med- medical questions I had. She worked in cardiac surgery as a nurse and made sure I was well insulated and protected with a tiny pillow in the car where my surgery and seatbelt came face to face. My in-laws also purchased me a bed rest pillow so I could easily sit up at home. These kind gestures will never be forgotten. That first surgery was a tough adjustment afterwards, though. I remember a lot of the painful parts and just how long it actually took me to feel normal. And in some ways, even five years later, it's not even normal. But you probably know what I'm saying. The first surgery removed not only all of my breast tissue, but 15 lymph nodes on my right side. While I looked normal from the exterior, the remaining muscles had to relearn. I had then itsy-bitsy spider sort of exercise for the wall and a lot of different stretch poses. One of the more challenging things was honestly eating cereal. I'm a right-handed person, and bringing a spoon to my mouth reminded me of a caveman trying to learn how to use a spoon. In some ways, it was easier to actually eat with my left hand, but still a little bit messy. All I dreamt of for two weeks following the surgery was the independence of being able to take a shower on my own. Just the simple things in life. I had help for two weeks with my mom coming to visit and then with my best friend, Jessica. They saw more of my adult and naked body than I had ever wished, but I was so grateful for the help and care in keeping my hair as groomed as possible. When I finally had the green light for showering 
and could remove all the bandages in the silence of my own bathroom after my mom and best friend had left, the weight and enormity of it all came crashing upon me. The freshly painted scars upon my chest, which replaced the breasts I had known, as I stared in the mirror. I cried and cried and cried in the shower, letting the water take away my tears. I immediately exited the shower and started writing the following poem to get all of my emotions onto paper. No sense in keeping it bottled all up inside. I cried my tears in the shower, the salt mixed with rain. I cried my tears in the shower so no one could see my pain. I cried my tears in the shower at the scars across my chest. I cried my tears in the shower for my body lost. I loved it best. I cried my tears in the shower. One look in the mirror was hard to take. I cried my tears in the shower at this remaining shell, this fake. Mourning a loss, never coming back, knowing what changes are made. Permanent, temporary, sad for what is gone. Priorities of life now rearranged. After the surgery, there were constant appointments at my plastic surgeon of filling the expanders. Essentially, the skin I had left was needed to be slowly stretched to be able to take the upcoming implants. Some experience some hardness and slight discomfort, but I really didn't have any too bad side effects. The expanders that were placed in my body at the time of my initial surgery were very hard. Being a belly sleeper most of my life, I now had to acclimate to a new sleep pose as well. My in-laws with that bed rest really came in handy. All in all, though, I can say I was pretty lucky with my plastic surgery adventures. There can be many side effects with infections, and many of my breasties have had to get follow-up surgeries upon surgeries to correct issues. Another friend of mine had to get oxygen and additional healing from the infection. My biggest concern was as soon as I was just starting to feel somewhat normal, it was as though a curveball would be thrown and a new stage of fear and unknown would come up in my breast cancer journey. Right after chemo and starting to feel healthy, then I found myself in the hospital for my exchange surgery, replacing those temporary expanders with true implants. It was shortly after that hospital visit, though, that I was thrown another curveball, but in a good way an opportunity of a lifetime. It was March of 2014 and I was on a train to visit my family in Detroit that I received a call from that my name was pulled out of a hat for an upcoming pink out game for the Chicago Cubs. The nurse navigator Karen didn't give me any details but I was like oh cool thanks sounds fun. My real concern though was whether I had two tickets or just one because I really wanted John a lifelong Cubs fan, to be at my side, just as he had been at my side throughout this whole journey. I sort of tucked the game away and settled back into work after my leave and surgery until one day I received a call from someone at Advocate Hospital regarding the pink game. They asked me if I would like to throw out the first pitch for the Cubs' pink game. I was dumbfounded, ecstatic, and absolutely over the moon. You see, the house I grew up in is sports crazy. Now granted, it was all Michigan teams where I grew up, but hey, this was the Cubs, and they don't just let anyone throw out the first pitch. 
I was literally running around and telling all of my coworkers and texting my family to set their DVRs. That evening, I actually had a follow-up appointment with my plastic surgeon. Now keep in mind, this was only two weeks after my exchange surgery. My surgeon, Dr. Thors, was the only possible thing standing in the way between me and this most amazing experience. I remember vividly sitting in his patient room with my gown on and telling him, okay, so the answer is yes. Can I throw out the first pitch at the Cubs game? I mean, the answer is yes, as if I was willing him to answer yes. I promise to practice, but not too hard. I promise to take it, to not overdo it. But please, please, you have to let me do this. He actually had me throw an implant across the room to him after I could tell I was probably making him somewhat uneasy this close to my surgery. He was from Iceland, and after all, and told me, I don't really get this whole baseball thing. But I did, and he agreed to let me throw the first pitch. Now, you might think I would be nervous throwing the first pitch, but I actually wasn't nervous at all. Striker ball, I guess I knew I was just a winner. On that day, on that mound, on the 6th day of May in 2014, I knew I was a winner. I had gone through 16 rounds of chemo, two surgeries, still with radiation to go, and I'll put the first pitch video up on my website. Luckily, not too long before, 50 Cent had thrown the absolute worst pitch of all time just prior to me, so I thought, hey, how bad can I actually be? I did practice, and I'm proud to say that the catcher caught the ball. It wasn't a strike, but it was in play, and I looked badass with my short hair. Actually, my journey with breast cancer has led to many opportunities in my life that would have never happened otherwise. One year later, I got another request for the Cubs organization for their pink out games. I was asked to sing the seventh inning stretch with two of my breasties, Ronnie and Sandy. We were called, we called ourselves the Theta Theta Girls, a name derived from my friend Ronnie, who described cancer as a sisterhood, like a sorority. Maybe not one you want to pledge, but all the same, it's a sisterhood. I was asked to do a public service announcement with Jason Mott, a pitcher for the Cubs at the time and founder of the Cancer Foundation, Jason Mott Foundation, and Strikeout Childhood Cancer, focused on raising awareness for cancer. Together, I recorded the PSA with Jason and his wife, Caitlin, who were both so gracious, genuine, and kind. The Cubs organization raised money from all the pink practice jerseys they wore. After the event, I told my husband that I would really like to get Jason Mott's jersey that they were auctioning. I didn't really care about the MVP. I just wanted something with this personal touch. And I actually won the silent auction and was so excited when it arrived in the mail at my house later. When the Cubs were in the World Series, when they won in 2016, I even wore it for good luck. Now back to the seventh inning stretch night. After my PSA, we had a lovely dinner for John and I in the Audi Club that we got to pick whatever we wanted from a menu inscribed with my name at the top of it. Talk about feeling special. Advocate Hospital is a big sponsor of the Cubs, and Carrie from the Advocate team was so excited to show me something. It was a picture of me from the first pitch the year before, hanging in their team medical office. 
I mean, it could still be there for all I know. It was so cool to see that memory, my impact, and my face there in the Cubs medical room. After that, we huddled for the seventh inning info session. We had to start walking up around the fifth inning. Now, Wrigley is such an amazing but historic building, so there's no elevators to the top. So it was a long haul of steps and ramps to the press room, where we waited for the final break in the action. We were each allowed one guest with us, and I had John with me at my side. My friend Ronnie had her daughter McKenna to accompany her, and Sandy had her daughter Morgan with her. It was so awesome to start up. Anna one, Anna two, Anna three. Take me out to the ball game. You know how it goes. The day prior to us singing, Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam, huge fan, sang in that same tiny little booth, not to mention Harry Carey in all the history. It was teeny tiny but it was an experience that I can't even put into words. Looking back, it was even more special because I shared it with my friend Sandy, a memory I can always look back on fondly. On that day, we weren't talking about breast cancer treatments, no talks of surgery or pains. It was just pure fun and excitement, living in the now, smiles ear to ear, Let me re-emphasize that I'm never happy that I've had breast cancer, but I will always embrace the moment, look for new ways to celebrate life, and try to have fun while doing it. My Tina tip for this episode is take the help. After my surgery, having my mom there and having my best friend Jessica there was just what I needed emotionally and physically. If someone offers to help you, It's okay to take the help. And if you have a friend going through cancer, be that help. Whether it's in terms of moral support, texts, food for them, rides to appointments, etc. Thank you for your time. This has been Tina Conrad with Dean Shea Breast Cancer. Next up is Namaste Active. I would love to hear from you and any future topics you want discussed. My website is www.djbreastcancer.org or feel free to email me at djbreastcancer at gmail.com. Thank you.